Welcome back to Black Girl Couch Reviews. I'm your host, Christina. We're back for the sixth episode in the second season of Mindhunter. I'm really starting to get bummed that there wasn't a third season. I am unfortunately without my headphones today, so this will be interesting to hear possibly in another week when I get my headphones back <laughs> to see how well or bad the sound quality is. It should be fine, but just keep that in mind. You can be angry about it in the comment section. Uh, episode 6, story by Joshua Donan and Courtenay Miles, teleplay by Courtenay Miles, because that's the way she spells her name and I kind of love it. Directed by Carl Franklin. I thought this was an okay episode. It felt as if it was a necessary atmospheric tone that Holden and Bill find themselves in, which is the the political machine and the bureaucracy within the bureau itself. And both of them are seeing how contentious that can get when trying to solve an investigation where there's far more press and opinion and there is maybe not the best police departments or most equipped police departments from these big cities too. Atlanta, Georgia is not a small town you know, that that shouldn't have some of the things versus populace, especially if they're trying to bring in a, a uh, airport there, that they wouldn't be putting a lot more money into the city instead of the perception of what the city has to offer. And that is the theme. Before we jump into the recap, wherever you listen to this podcast, Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever good podcasts can be found, go down to the radio section, drop some stars, leave a review. My social media will be there as well. You can like, share, and subscribe if I have not already said so. And if you want to send feedback, blackcouch at gmail.com on this show or any other show that we are doing. We're going to start Black Snow and Bodies this week. We are also doing Archer. And we got our movie pick, which is going to be The Strays. I know I'm watching a scary-ish type of movie in Christmas, but that's the exact season I want to watch any of those movies. I'm not a scary person. I don't mind true crime, which is 10 times scarier than some fake Santa Claus with an axe. But at the same time, uh, that's the things that pop up in my head at night. <laughs> I'm more analytically thorough with this side of things. Sidebar aside, let's jump into the recap. We start in Kansas. We got the BT- BTK killer. He's wilding on the photocopier because he don't want anyone to see his poetry and terrible drawing of boobs with sticks hanging out of them he's like i should get your manager this is my property i'm like this is a piece of paper but sure i would have let him just have at it you know what try to help fuck you do you that's the last we see of the btk killer and i'm not quite 
sure if with all of the slight bits we've seen, how much that is connected to our current storyline, other than he's the killer that's operating in the background and breaking a lot of the the stereotypes that they are um, building as they're looking for more and more profiles or working off of the profiles they've recently gotten. And here's someone who went through that whole phase of serial killers and didn't get caught. Dismembering disposal of bodies is what we are discussing in our group meeting today. Six bodies have been linked to one man, Paul Bateson. Not that he's been charged with all of them. Only got him on one murder because he called a journalist and confessed to it. But he admitted to a prison cellmate that he liked to kill. And that's enough for them to connect him with all of the bag murders. Because he also said I was the bag murderer. Did he say I like to kill or did he say I was the bag murderer? Because those are two, two separate <laughs> things. And because he didn't kill, well, he did kill, but did not dismember or put him in a garbage bag, the person they were actually convicted of killing. Why then have the other murders been attributed to him? And this is something I've seen enough in true crime that officers during a certain time period and probably still in certain places in the United States today, when there is a situation where there's a lot of murderers, they don't want to admit to any type of serial killer or they don't want to simply do their jobs, they will convict one person of a murder and then pin all the other murders related or not, most likely not, on them. Actually, right now, there's a lot more that don't. It's like, if we don't have enough evidence, even if we know or think that they killed them, we're not going to convict them on it. So... It was common for let's clear our caseload because if this person was guilty of this crime, he's got to be guilty of all the others because there's also the the persecution of gay men. They had certain clothing on them, which was connected to a a leather shop. And he's gay. Paul, the killer. He perused gay bars. He must be into the SM thing, which is sadomasochism. I was so tickled when Holden was corrected by Greg when he said S and M. Gotcha, bitch. And what's this leather must be connected to the homosexual or same sex scene? That is so stupid stupidly ignorantly dumb (laughs) i can't even be bothered but then i have to remember what time it is he paused too like i don't want to be that guy i'm going back to greg when he said sm because he's like 
am I going to correct them? Fuck it. You need to know. It's a power exchange between a dominant and submissive. We saw this in the show, or if you saw this in the show, Billions with Paul Giamatti and his wife. With pain and violence being a currency exchange between them, such as fear and humiliation too. It's a sexual kink that is not at all associated with your sexuality. Wendy is slightly annoyed at the assumption that having a dog collar around your neck means that you're associated with SM. Maybe you think you're a dog. Maybe you think this dog collar is sexy because they used to be in style at some point like rock and roll dark dog collars that has nothing to do with SM. Plus SM can be safely practiced between two consulting, uh, consenting adults. Well, consulting too. Because they have to have safe words and everything. From what I've seen in the movies, I don't know nothing about this. It's not my thing. But I'm not going to kink shame this. There are some things that should be kink shamed. And when people go, you can't kink shame. I'm like, the fuck? I can't. I don't know where we got. I'm not a snowflake, okay? If you're a snowflake, that's too bad. I'm about to destroy your fucking life. Because there are some things that need to be said. Okay, putting shit in your mouth is not a thing that you should have no shame about. Sidebar, I heard... In Dubai, the things that billionaires pay women, particularly really attractive women, to do in portal potties. I wish someone never told me these types of things, but I go into dark rabbit holes sometimes on YouTube. Not dark, 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 but dark enough. <laughs> and I just, it, uh. but back to the show. While she thinks that the scene that they were in, the, uh, the the gay scene, may be open to exploitation based on the victim pool, this bag murderer is practiced and an organized killer. His sexual practices may not be his motivation, but only where he finds his victims, since they're low-hanging fruit, as Wendy says. Holden and Bill learn via the TV they are being sent to Atlanta to convict the murderer as the convict the murderer. Oh, yeah, because he was on the phone and he's like, yeah, we're going to get a conviction. We're going to make sure we see this to the end. The VP has now taken an interest as well as Director Webster. It was them or the canines. The BSU, that is. It's also getting political, which is never a great thing because it's about abating the fears of the public and not maybe doing just a bit more to make sure justice is served for everyone. Gun meets with both Holden and Bill, tells Bill that He's going to go to a retreat to assure the director and Holden's going to be sent first to Atlanta. Wendy doesn't, I love how Holden always walks out of a room. It's just something about that little turn he does. (laughs) Wendy doesn't understand how they are 
to fill out the bureau and complete their level of study if Bill and Holden keep being sent away. And she can't train the staff alone. And this is the second woman in this episode that feels as if the men are rolling with the balls while they are left to their own devices without the proper support. Bill says he will help on Friday since that's when he has to be in town. And Bill is playing the same role at home as he's playing at work. Giving as much as he can, but it not being enough. He'll have Jim babysit Holden in Atlanta, but she knows that man needs his work daddy. It's only three days, damn. (laughs) She said exactly. Bill comes home and learns Brian is regressing emotionally and continuing to wet the bed, which is understandable. Nancy is frustrated with a husband who comes home late and cannot take any time from work, mainly because he hasn't told Gun why he needs that time. Part of me feels as if he doesn't want to be at home dealing with this because men typically uh, don't want to really sit and deal with their thoughts and opinions and talk it out and you know they're, they're more proactive you know than reactive and I think that even examining too much further into the root cause of things is not something that he may want to do but on the other hand that's just supposition more concretely in the show he's dealing with two parenting jobs one involves Holden at work and the other involves his child at home but it's two projects too because as the bureau is growing as his job is getting much more demanding of him with the ambitions that they have for this particular unit he's he's behind that he's invested in that just as much as he's invested at home so he's just kind of being pulled between a rock and a hard place even though the one part that I'm fully on Nancy's side is about is that you didn't tell your boss so that possibly he can alleviate some of that stress and the fact that he didn't tell him is where my supposition area comes in because I don't know why he wouldn't tell him that other than he doesn't want anyone to know the shame of it I can see that but that's not that's unfair to Nancy because she's under the impression that he at least asked. Bill is the provider and he does need to work. Nancy is doing her best, but you can only bend so much before you break. And I think by the end of the episode, she's a little broken because she's starting to feel insecure about her own worth her own self her own parenting and there's not a lot of assurance there I think she needs therapy herself but she would never admit it because she doesn't 
they associate that with a problem. And that's sad. Wendy and Greg do the interview with Bateman, who is definitely into Greg. Oh, my. I knew I knew that face. Morgan Kelly, he was in The Expanse. I never forget an Expanse actor. I'm like, I can't place where you were in The Expanse, but I know you. <laughs> and I looked at his uh his roster. He was in Killjoys, too, but I, I don't remember that. He said, I appreciate a little more discipline. Daddy, chill. This show does humor really well because it's subtle and it's a darkly humorous bit. And seeing Greg absolutely flustered by this former radiology tech turn usher in a porn theater. <laughs> he explains he met Addison in a bar over poppers talking to porn, enlightening Greg to the difference between good porn and bad porn, which there is a difference. Bond and violence. Every interaction is violence, just on a different scale. I thought that was a really great line, especially as he talks to Wendy about the feeling of your nipples being twisted and in a sexually arousing situation, that's violence. When you like your ass smacked, when you like being choked, these are the things that that are violent and can be wrong, but also between consenting adults and on the appropriate scale can be sexually stimulating. Addison and he chose each other. Well... Addison wasn't his type, but because everyone wanted him and he chose him to go home with, he felt special. He said he was swishy and I know exactly what he's talking about. The cops verified he did the crime because when he called the newspaper rep, he told him it was Crisco on the carpet and couch. Oh my God. When I told you I had no understanding, Crisco, Crisco, Crisco. He didn't intend to kill him. When they went back to his place for fun times, they just didn't have a soul connection after they were worn out from all their sexcapades. And so he killed him. He started as a bottom, worked his way to a top. He's into SM, but did not commit the other murderers. Murderers, Lord. The cops told him if he confessed and took a plea deal, he would do less time. There's an abundance of plea deals offered to less intelligent people, taken, pressured even by their public defenders to avoid a trial. And they think, oh, all I have to do is six years. That's not so bad, except now you have a felony that you have cop to you are usually under some type of duress it's just not always the best you know the the plea deals that seem to happen in the black and brown communities are not the same plea deals that happen in the upper middle class society where they'll kill someone and do 15 years in jail and that's it. Like this guy, he's probably going to, that plea deal, sure. 
it wasn't for all of the other murders because he wasn't convicted of the other murders. So he's definitely trying, he's putting a lot of manipulation here. And I like that it was brought up how much he's manipulating. He's avoiding Wendy. He's focusing on Greg. That's who he's trying to reel in. So we're seeing part of his own process. Clearly he didn't just kill this guy for lack of soul connect. I mean, that might be part of it, but I'm sure there's a lot darker things going on behind that psyche. And he uh, doesn't like when she wants to get further into why he killed. But he does become forthcoming with other things such as perceptions matter when you're an aberration, Anita, which is what he calls Greg over there playing with his wedding ring like his entire life has been a lie or he's questioning his own sexuality. <laughs> like I'm a little turned on by all this naughty talk. However, Wendy is able to understand the true killer's motives or wants to understand saying that what could it possibly be could it be that they wanted to die which he says yeah there are some people who want to be taken to that absolute threshold trust and fear and that some people will go that far and that may be the thing that is what's most exciting in the kill is the trust that they have in the dominant and allowing them to, you know, murder them. But unfortunately, I don't think this is the guy that cut up the bodies because he doesn't seem like the type to cut up the bodies. That seems messy. And I'm not to say I'm one to judge with all of my only human knowledge, but I do think with his lack of medical training, and just how, yeah, to dispose of the body, I don't, I don't find him to be quite as organized. Manipulative, yes, but not, not as detached. And then why would he call the press and out himself? It's as if he, he did something and he could not and did not want to, to live with it. He ends up ending the interview early saying only the killer knows what traces of his own fantasies are left behind back in atlanta the task force building looks far more official this time around once holding gets there barney meets him and tells them the city is getting desperate but they have a real lead there's been a call about a body from a kkk member is it me or did that kkk member sound just like slayton or i'm just crazy I swore when he started walking towards that voice, that's exactly what was going to happen. (laughs) Carl's mom doesn't recognize the voice and Holden doesn't register it as anything other than a hoax, even though it's the only viable lead that they have. While he is certainly right to ask these questions, it is completely dismissive to say, I'm not going to follow up on this lead because I don't think it's going to work out that's not how leads work you work them until they run cold (laughs) every lead no matter how far-fetched until they work crude cold that's my issue with 
holding. He doesn't want to do the work. He wants to follow his gut, his instinct, and his own trail. But he doesn't want to do the, the, the minuscule details. And you have to be methodical to combat an uninformed or an informed counterpoint. Otherwise, it's your opinion. Ryan is seen by his therapist. And like I said, he can't answer for them. You have to allow the time and space they need to express themselves. And while he may have opened up if he wasn't interrupted by his parents, he doesn't show much reaction other than kicking the table. Brian may not feel as if he can talk to his parents because they'll judge him. And the therapist tells them this is a safe place where he should acclimate to the feeling that he's not going to be judged. So if you guys are just sitting on opposite sides of him, waiting for him to answer these questions and him naturally being someone who doesn't talk, picks up on every emotion, both of you, because usually hypersensitivity is probably what he is, uh, how he's experiencing the world, right? So the therapist is trying to create an environment where he can express himself. Nancy doesn't understand the benefit, though, of therapy because trauma is something you get over it. He's a kid. He went past the house where the kid died and he says, I want pancakes. But children, like adults, never simply get over trauma. His regressive behavior is a sign of that. Emotionally, he's distressed. And what I said last episode stands with Nancy and is reinforced in our weekly interview about being considered an aberration. Do you pretend and act normal or do you give him pills and therapy to help him heal? Society certainly chose for entirely too many generations and only recently took mental health seriously for many people to think that you're supposed to suck it up or you're not strong enough. It was a deficiency with you if you weren't processing your trauma. So we have that generational trauma cycling through our own gene pool as we speak. I will say, Nancy, if you are going to be indignant about what the social worker can and cannot do, how about you educate yourself First on the topic. As a mother, I will say, let people do their fucking job. I would never take it out on someone else for doing what they're supposed to do, especially when what they're supposed to do is in the best interest of my child. Sure, I may be in my feelings about it, but I'm going to do that behind closed doors and not in people's offices And then they got to put you in their place. Like, um, you should have read the pamphlet. West Virginia. Webster comes in and gun preps Bill about his meeting with 
the king because it's good to be king because people carry your luggage nancy finds brian missing back at home and locates him at a park staring at a girl on a swing her mom alarmed by the boy staring there like that this ain't the omen i am the beginning i am the end creeper oh man leaves with her daughter causing nancy to lash out about his behavior because she's disturbed by it in rockdale georgia the search brings in no leads and at least our baby is learning holden admitting to the chief they definitely got off on the wrong foot as he explains this isn't the chief explains to him this isn't my first body my first child body being pulled out if i get a tip that specifies where a child is i have to follow up on it i am going to allow you to give your opinion on how on how we should refocus the the investigation but you can't come in here talking like i haven't been doing my job for longer than you've been alive speaking of they show up for information the the press because i was thinking about that earlier too my bra- my brain is scattered right now guys the gummy's kicking in <laughs> but if he hadn't followed up just think about that if that get out to the press that you hadn't followed up on a certain lead that hey this guy called in they said the body was over here and we decided it was a hoax and a body is found you gonna look really stupid so i'd rather look and i find nothing (laughs) then not look and be considered incompetent i don't know why we focused on the one guy in the press but i did laugh when barney ran over to make sure holden didn't say shit get in the car bill is good at explaining what they do back at their resort to impress the room with his details making them salivate at the idea that he's in the room with these murderers however he's a little distressed himself to know that people are gonna see kids with issues as write-offs in the future without considering what actually facilitates those behaviors and he's got a son at home that many would have would have uh, deduced is a serial killer in the making based on his own information he's passing on so he's concerned about the work that he's doing being misconstrued in the wrong hands he calls nancy and learns about brian's behavior that day that she was scared he doesn't know what to say she doesn't want to hear really anything because the thing that she wants he can't do despite him offering his assistance she's like i don't know if i can do this alone he says you're not alone and she says i need to sleep Kay and wendy tried to do the myers-briggs test which she got off of a bus which is more scientifically accurate than the original because everybody liked to praise that original guy's test but i was like you know there's like nothing behind that other than his opinion not saying there there can't be any competence in in there but yeah more more people got involved in the myers-briggs test 
that aside, take it with some salt. It's not a run through of everything correct in your life. Because some people be like, I know I'm an N-I-N-G-F-T. I know I have mine on my page too. But it's a study into you. It's not, <laughs> it's not everything. Um, everything that defines yourself. Wendy doesn't like to be the one manipulated when she's supposed to be the manipulator and finds in the field that she's not as strong as the people she understands on paper. This Tanya scene cracked me the fuck up in the hotel with Holden because I wasn't one expecting to see her anymore. And when Holden does see her, instead of approaching like Brian, he stares <laughs> walking across the room and waits for her to initiate conversation. Then upon noticing him, he's like, oh, hey, girl, how you doing? It's a good thing he went over to impress upon her how many resources he has to knight in shining armor her situation. I can't share anything, but just know, just know. We're not looking at the families anymore. Here's some other things I'm going to share. She tells him the kids were into many ways uh, making money, including prostitution. So all avenues must be explored because 18 kids can have 18 different motives or, or killers. So it's not about putting this on one guy. Yes, there's probably a serial killer in the area. That's not what happened to all of these children. They may not all have met the same fate either. Because how many bodies did they find? Only four in that field? I like Tanya, but I don't see him and her at all. You know I love the ship swirls. But right now I just see common interest in Holden's crush and possible loneliness. Some people don't understand how dangerous strangers can be. That's very true, but that's why we say stranger fucking danger. <laughs> I didn't understand the contradiction in that statement. Some kids don't understand how stranger, well, they know, you just said they know stranger danger. So why don't you get into the details? Let me tell you what kind of people out there in the world. This is going to hurt. It's going to be disturbing. You probably want to watch something it's funny afterwards, but you need to know these facts. Phil gets home trying to be quiet, but is a combination of in pain and drunk before crawling in a bed next to Nancy. Back in Atlanta, Holden wants to focus on child molesters thanks to Tanya's tip. Phil is just in time to give their opinion to the big wigs, but Holden doesn't still comprehend they may not want their help. Surprisingly, Redding listens. And while he tells his other guy in the room, because he does not want to divert all their manpower and having extra people come in, it's like, we're not ruling anything out. And I see some value on this approach. I was thinking that he was being mature about this, but by the end of the episode, I'm not so sure. It is pointed out that at least some murderers are connected, even by the team. This is no Pedro Lopez. 
Barney goes with Bill to work on Earl's case, getting two leads where the kids hung out. And hearing that the police never asked any questions of anyone about the disappearances they only look to care about, back to perceptions, there's something that stinks about the refusal to even do more than half a paragraph of investigation. And there's a lot that could have been learned in the 10 minutes it took Barney and Bill to walk around one block. And we know clan members joined the police force. Hell, policing started out as a property protection racket for white owners. This mom reports Earl was here to play with her son. And just like that, there's another connection between the kids, Luby, who's missing, and another boy, Patman, aka Roger, who was older than the other boys and also is missing. Before they can interview the brick house down the road, they are called away to the search area where Holden is. She even called the police and that's where I said, Chief Redding, you say you explore every lead. The lies. There you the go. Lies. There you the lies. Lies. Your words, not mine. At the Milton site, they find three more bodies clearly related and learn disconcertingly that the PD doesn't even have a forensic team. Only volunteers picking up things with no gloves or bags. They find a porn magazine, a shoe, and they match it to a tire thief. And there's very little to say that he is behind this crime. Holden absolutely once again dismisses it. He's Caucasian. Barney's expression. Excuse me, bitch. I'm with Tench. We need to at least roll him out and question him. He may have seen something. I actually thought it would have been better to bring him in as a witness. I'm surprised they didn't think of that tactic. Like, hey, you could be a, a what do they call that in the TV shows? A, it's not credible witness. Not potential witness. Material witness. Thank you. Holden was like a kid waiting for that file. Like, let me see, let me see, let me see, let me see. They go to Slayton's charity event because they need warrants and get set warrants, which is why I don't know why we needed the big back and forth. There's a little boy missing. I hate they use that trope in TV shows because it's an unnecessary back and forth. My, my people need to know that I'm not going to issue a warrant on anything and nothing changes other than it's for the boy. Okay, you still ain't giving me evidence. I know a boy's missing. I know there's 18 motherfucking boys missing. The answer was no five minutes ago after you told me you had no evidence and the answer is still no. Also, was unnecessary the side eyes towards Barney from all those rich white folk. Who brought the nigger in here? To be fair, they was eyeballing all of them. Like you underdressed working class peasants. I want this quiet. Pans to the helicopter, the sirens, the woman screaming, don't take them. Because there's always a woman screaming when their husband's getting arrested. (laughs) Again, the subtle humor. The tow truck shows up. Holden's like, the fuck? He's not even from the scene yet. 
He's like, I don't know, guys. I don't know. As they're setting conditions to interrogate the the perpetrator, the commission comes in, doesn't care about any of their procedures or the reasons for them. Holden starts to get fed up with all the perceptions versus the truth, just as the press get wind of what is going on, which is something that the judge did not want at all, with the commissioner going out to speak with them, even though Holden was going to, saying, we are identifying bodies because he doesn't want people to know that they found a graveyard for a serial killer. He goes out to talk about the subject of bringing this guy in and him being possibly behind the murders. So my guess is that the FBI is being sabotaged right now, likely by the chief or commissioner himself, because he also just wants this done. And if they can pin it on him, like, why the fuck are you here anyway? Right when we got someone in custody, that's when you want to show the hell up. I don't like any of these people. (laughs) None of them. Because... I've seen this story a lot in the many documentaries that I keep watching. And it's, it's very, very, very shitty the way our, it's the best we got. It's the best we got, but man, can we do better? So much better. I think we are because this type of thing wouldn't be quite as. The FBI definitely has more jurisdiction now than it previously did in regards to catching people that don't want them poking around, seeing just how incompetent and corrupt everything is. And corruption stinks to high hell water around here. Oh dear, we are in trouble. And that, my loves, is going to conclude our podcast. I appreciate you getting through all of my stumblings, stuttering, and all other ways in which my <laughs> my narrative has been this evening. I hope all of you well. If you want to send feedback, once again, blackercouch at gmail.com. Until next time, peace, hair grease, and blacker magic. 